Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Clinical Perspective on the Latest Data for Emerging Therapies Targeting IL-13 in Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Lilly. Hello, welcome to Clinical Perspective on the latest data for emerging therapies targeting IL-13 in moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. I'm Peter Leo. I'm a clinical assistant professor of dermatology and pediatrics at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm also the founding director of the Chicago Integrative Eczema Center. Welcome. In session one, we're going to be talking about some really interesting ideas. First, we're going to talk about the targeted therapies for atopic dermatitis that have multiplied in recent years. We understand that many patients with moderate to severe disease across a range of ages can now get some benefit from these new innovations. Many patients respond to the IL inhibitors or the JAK inhibitors, and this is an area that has been incredibly active just in the past several years. Today, we're going to focus on agents that are targeting IL-13 inhibition in particular. We know that the pathophysiology of atopic dermatitis is complex, but it really does seem that IL-4 and IL-13 are playing a really important role in the pathogenesis of this disease. In particular, we know that IL-4 and again, especially IL-13, which seems to be really important no matter how we slice this, it's playing a role not only in driving itch and inflammation, but it's also having a direct deleterious effect on the skin barrier. So it follows that if we could influence IL-13, we should be able to decrease itch, decrease inflammation, and improve skin barrier function, all of which are central to the pathogenesis of this disease. Now, the relative contribution of IL-4 still remains to be seen, but it's important, and we know that the medication Dupilumab targets both IL-4 and IL-13. But two of our newest medicines, one of which has now been released in the United States and approved for adults with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis called Tralokinumab, specifically targets IL-13. Interestingly, whereas dupilumab binds to the receptor complex, tralokinumab and a drug that hopefully will be released soon called lebrikizumab, they both directly bind to the cytokine itself, blocking it from being able to bind to that receptor complex. There are a number of other agents that, that are in development, including agents that can block IL-31, sometimes referred to as the master itch cytokine, IL-22, and TSLP or thymic stromal lymphopoietin. So this story is, is richer and more complex than it might seem, but right now we're really focused in and the spotlight is very hot right on IL-13 and right next door to it, the IL-4 system. So we've seen that there are a number of cytokines that may be playing a role in atopic dermatitis, but IL-13 seems to be at the center of this story. In the next session, we're going to take a look at some of the clinical efficacy data on IL-13 to see how it might stack up in the real world. Let's take a look at the data, starting with recent real-world data for the two approved therapies in this class. For comparison, I'm going to review data in the adult patient population with a focus on those with moderate to severe disease. 
One of the nice things about having dupilumab out on the market since 2017 is that we actually can have some longitudinal studies like this one. Here we can see the eczema area and severity index being tracked out not only at that primary endpoint of week 16, but all the way out to 148 weeks. And one of the things that I think we can see here that's very exciting is the durability of that response. So in this open label extension trial, we can really see that longitudinally patients are able to maintain that improvement. Trelokinumab is one of our newest agents approved just at the end of 2021. And this really is interesting because it's very similar in many ways to dupilumab, but a little bit different where dupilumab binds to the receptor and blocks both IL-4 and IL-13. Trelokinumab specifically binds to the IL-13 cytokine itself, blocking its ability to bind to the receptor complex. Here, for trelokinumab in adult patients, we can see an extra one and extra two. These are the 52-week multinational randomized double-blind controlled trials. We can see that quick separation from the placebo group in both groups, and we can actually see that at week 16, there is a significant benefit on the EZE75, so 75% or better improvement on the eczema area and severity index for the patients taking trelokinumab over placebo. The third agent that's sort of in this small family is not yet available for treatment in the United States, but hopefully will be soon, and that one's called lebricizumab. Again, very similar in that it's binding specifically to IL-13 cytokine itself, very similar to trelokinumab. And as we look at the Advocate 1 and 2, these were the phase 3 studies for lebricizumab that are now published, we can see that a significant portion of patients was able to achieve clear or almost clear skin at 16 weeks. In fact, 43% versus only 13% of placebo in Advocate 1 and 33 versus 11% in Advocate 2. When we look at that number that we saw for trelokinumab, the EZ75 in Advocate 1, and clearly it's superior to placebo and in Advocate 2, 51 versus 18% respectively. And I think it's clear that there is a clinical response to binding IL-13 alone for atopic dermatitis. In fact, that blocking IL-13 gives us symptom improvement and sign improvement, tells us that IL-13 really is important to the pathogenesis of atopic dermatitis. In session three, we're going to talk about the safety of these agents, because once we've told the story about how they work, we've looked at their clinical efficacy, now we move into that final piece, what is the safety and tolerability profile? The good news is, is that relatively speaking, all three of the agents we're talking about, dupilumab, trelokinumab, and lebricizumab, appear to be relatively safe. As I think is reflective of the biologic class as a whole, particularly the more modern, more targeted biologics, they have relatively compact safety profile compared to some synthetic agents. These drugs are not considered broad spectrum immunosuppressants, so they sort of eschew a lot of those issues. So I think one of the things you'll notice right away is that for dupilumab, trelokinumab, and lebricizumab, the side effect profiles are actually relatively similar. And we can see there are a number of sort of less specific things that pop up a lot, things like nasopharyngitis, upper respiratory tract infection, headache, things like that. And then there are some specific ones that really do seem to be important to this class. And one of those things I think is a reactivation of herpes, both oral herpes and extra oral herpes. That seems to be something, particularly in dupilumab, that has been noticed. And then of course we have the conjunctivitis or the ocular surface disease. And this, of course, includes conjunctivitis, blepharitis, keratitis, eyeparitis, and dry eye. And there's a little bit of, of question mark on some of these because many of the trials were run by dermatologists and allergists, as you might imagine. And thus, some of the finer distinctions may be a little bit blurry, no pun intended. One of the things we know is that 
while there was initial hopes that maybe one of these agents wouldn't have that side effect, it really does seem that all three really do have some signal for conjunctivitis that is over and above placebo. And the thinking now is that IL-13 may be the root of this. So of course, the very mechanism of action we're targeting seems to have an effect on this conjunctivitis and these eye issues. And one hypothesis at this point is that it has to do with the goblet cells in the eye, which require some IL-13 to continue to produce their mucin, which plays a role in tear quality and tear formation. So by blocking that, one of the inadvertent uh, collateral damage effects that we see is that they produce less of their mucin, the tear quality goes down and we, we lead to these eye issues. Most of them are generally pretty mild. Many patients can treat through them. And as we can see, the numbers aren't super high. In general, they're less than 10% in the short term. Although I will say in some of the longer term studies, they've been up closer to 20% and even some studies showing even higher than 20%. So many patients may hear about it or experience it, but most of them are going to be mild some of them, though, can be severe enough to warrant even stopping the medication. I truly believe that if we stay on top of it, though, most of the patients really should not have any long-term damage. And it really seems like if there is any scarring, it's almost always because people have let it go on and on and on without proper treatment. So now we've had a chance to hear about the mechanism of action, to see some of the clinical trial efficacy data, and we've had a look at safety. Let's move forward and think about planning treatment for our patients with atopic dermatitis. So how do we match our patients to the best choice of drug? This is a real problem. One of the things I think is super important is to involve the patient and their family in this decision-making process. And this is often referred to as shared decision-making. I think for many clinicians, it's natural. It's what you do automatically. But sometimes it can be nice to think about it a little bit more from a procedural standpoint and go through sort of the checklist of doing it. Some of the aspects of drugs that I think are really important to consider, I like to abbreviate as EAST. E-A-S-T, efficacy, accessibility, safety, and tolerability. Now, when I go through a medicine with a patient, I break efficacy down into three different domains. How fast does it work? So the onset of the drug, how deep do we get that efficacy? So sort of the magnitude of efficacy, and then the durability of response. How long does it last? And the truth is that it's a little bit different for different medicines. And we can explain, and sometimes I'll even use things they've tried before. If a patient has been on a corticosteroid taper, or if they've been on cyclosporin off-label, then I might say, well, you know, cyclosporin worked pretty quickly and works pretty deeply, but then we go to the next point. What about the accessibility? Can we get this medicine for you? What's the cost gonna be? Then we go into the safety. What are the safety issues? What kinds of things do we have to monitor for? What are we worried about? And then finally, the tolerability, a little bit different than safety. And I would say that these are things that might even come up such as, I don't wanna do a shot, you know, because I, I really am concerned about needles. It's not a safety issue, but it becomes a tolerability issue. So, or I don't wanna get blood draws. It's something that really scares me to think about coming in to get blood. I always faint, things like that. So these are the, the different aspects we're going to consider with the patient and their family. And typically, I really like them not to make a decision right then and there. You know, at best, we have 15, sometimes 30 minutes for a visit. If we're lucky, many times those visits spill over. But even that, even if you had a full hour, a luxurious hour, which most of us don't have that luxury, uh, I still think it's too fast. So I like them to be armed with lots of information, ideas. I like to begin the discussion. And then I say, why don't you go home, think about it, and then we'll touch base in a couple of days to make our decision. Now, sometimes families and patients are quite ready and say, no, 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 we've already done it. We're ready to go. But it can be nice, especially when we have a number of different options that need to be considered. Ultimately, I really want to be there as a guide for the patient. I want to be supporting them. And I really 
really want them to make it their decision because that's really going to, I think, not only make them feel good about their choice, but I really do believe that there is a therapeutic element to that. When they feel empowered and in control and they're excited about a treatment, I really do think things work better. It's uh, certainly not rocket science, but it's one of those points we learn from years and years of, of taking care of patients. We see that when they're excited, everybody seems to do better. Lastly, in our session five, I'm going to highlight some of the practical considerations for clinicians to ponder when deciding between the anti-IL-13 therapies. So how do we choose between these three? Dupilumab, trilocinumab, lebrachizumab. I think some of the things that we have to consider are the indication itself. So age is important because right now, dupilumab is the only one that actually has an approval down to six months of age, which is pretty exciting and pretty different. Currently, trilocinumab is only approved for adults. So somebody who is younger than adulthood, younger than 18, that makes it a little bit simpler. What about the efficacy? Well, these end up being very difficult to compare directly, as we said, but that doesn't mean they're impossible. And in fact, there are some really wonderful new papers that are coming out now that compares efficacy across different medicines using a number of, of statistical tools to really help normalize them. And I do think that it will be interesting to see once lebrachizumab's data is fully out and we can really compare it, I think they will be comparable. And then we get to side effects. They are very similar. Now, it is possible that the incidence of the side effects might be more or less for a different molecule, but it's very difficult for us to compare them. And unfortunately, the signals seem comparable across the drugs. So that may be one of the trickiest things to compare across these medications. Finally, dosing schedules is pretty exciting because uh, trilocinumab has broken the mold and actually has a secondary dosing schedule. For patients who are doing well, the normal dosing schedule is one injection every two weeks, but if they're doing well, it can be spaced out to every four weeks as part of the FDA approval package. So this is an approved dosing regimen. I think that's extremely exciting. And dupilumab does not have that, and we don't know about lebrachizumab yet. So that could influence a patient or a family's decision. They could say, wow, we could actually then space it out again, on label. Uh, and of course, the cost and payment and support. So as we see in other disease states, sometimes certain insurance plans will say, ah, this is our preferred agent to start with. And it can be very difficult to push against that, especially when the agents are relatively similar. It's one thing if they're night and day, but if they're comparable, it may just be easier to say, okay, well, if this is the one that's going to work with your insurance company and be the easiest for you to afford at this point, maybe let's start with this one. And that, of course, is just in the early days because everything is so new, we really haven't had these out very long. All of those things and more, we're going to have to see what patients say about them. And as we build our clinical experience, that's going to really shape how we think about these medications, hopefully in time, and be able to really get the proper medicine to the right patient and get them better, because ultimately that's really our goal. So we've really had a chance to see the incredibly exciting changes in the therapeutic armamentarium for our treatments for atopic dermatitis in the past five or six years here everything's really really getting exciting and it's not about to stop we have something like over 100 new therapies in the pipeline so this is only going to get more interesting i think for us thank you so much for your attention we hope you enjoyed this and hopefully got some insight into treating atopic dermatitis with some of these new il-13 modulators thank you for listening please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.